Welcome to episode 50 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Bryn Jackson. For the Big 5-0, we had Liam Campbell and Steph Monette from Mule Design. They're both front-end developers over there uh, doing some awesome work, building some some dope websites. Uh, they're hilarious people, so it was really fun talking to them, having them on the show. We are now 50 episodes in. If this is your first time or if you've been listening along, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Uh, we also have uh, the Spec Network Twitter handle, at SpecFM. Even better, we have a Spec Network Slack. You can get in there and talk to us. We're in there like all the time. Yep. If you'd like an invite to our Slack team, uh, just DM basically any of us at Design Details FM, Bryn or I, and we will get you invited. Uh, we're chatting about all sorts of stuff. We're going to do a weekly critique, which I'm super excited about. It's called Inspect, and it's going to feature a bunch of like your favorite designers moderating teaching good critique habits yep so that's coming uh in the meantime hit us up on twitter follow us and we'd love to chat before we get into episode 50 we have two sponsors that we'd like to thank first sponsor dropbox dropbox is a fantastic syncing tool it has a free version and it also has a paid version that gives you one terabyte of storage which is i mean it's just a ton but it's fantastic we use it for all of our files for work for spec for home life for life life for everything it's a fantastic tool that you can sync from your computer to your phone to your other computer to just a web service if you're on someone else's computer it's pretty great it has uh, version history which is super important something that not a lot of places have like a mac doesn't have it windows kind of has it but who wants these windows use dropbox instead <laughs> dropbox versus windows begin design details you can comment, you can share files instantly, you can do all these things that you couldn't do with your computer by default. Fantastic system. Couldn't be more excited to have them as a sponsor. They're doing awesome things with the community, have a phenomenal design team. Thanks once again to Dropbox. Our second sponsor, once again, Icon Finder. Icon Finder is the largest source of premium vector icons on the web. They are rapidly approaching 600,000 icons in their library and over 10,000 icon sets. Uh, their icons, if you're paying for them, are licensed for commercial projects. And the money that you pay, just a small monthly fee, 70% of that is paid back to the original uh, icon designers. It's an amazing service that gives you icons in all file types, so it's going to work in any program you might be using, whether you're building straight on the web, uh, using Sketch, Photoshop, anywhere you're designing something, Icon Finder is going to work for you. If you go to IconFinder.com, they have a service called Icon Finder Pro. It starts at just $9 per month, and that gives you access to 25 icon downloads every single month. But if you use the promo code ROBOT, that'll tell them that we sent you and give you 50% off your first month of Icon Finder Pro. So go to IconFinder.com for all of your icon needs. Huge thanks to Icon Finder. And with that, let's get into episode 50. Steph Monette and Liam Campbell. I feel like I'm MV- NPR. I could do my Ira Glass voice. You be Ira Glass, I'll be Terry Gross. We'll I'm conduct the you as such. <laughs> what happens when you get five people in a kitchen with four microphones and one dog? Act one, we find out what happens <laughs> when these people start to talk into their microphones. Not spinning their heads, but instead turning the microphones to go with them. This American Life, Amira Glass, stay with us. Say taste. Taste. (laughs) (laughs) Succulents. And Uh, I think that's it. That's the episode. Impresario. (laughs) Dude, you should do that voice the whole time.
we'll just say we had Ira Glass on. I'm Ira Glass. <laughs> the thing about UI design that people don't realize is leaving them hanging. Yeah. Always even wanting more in your UI design. Act two. <laughs> Casper mattresses. <laughs> I don't fully understand what just happened, but I like it. Uh, it's a sponsor. <laughs> All right. No, I got that part, though. Should we start? We should. So we used to start every show the same way, but now we're not. We had a listener suggest that they didn't know who was speaking at any given time. So their solution was, hey, maybe ask these people to introduce themselves so they, they can attach a name to a voice, especially when we have a bunch of I mean, it tends to be a lot of guys, right? We've, we've only had women turn us down. Only women <laughs> guests have turned us down. I'm sure that's yeah. true. That is legitimately true. <laughs> Men don't respond if they don't want to come on. <laughs> women have said no. <laughs> oh. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so Josh Dunsterville, the guy who made uh, Team Sketch, teamsketch.io, he suggested that we have you guys introduce yourselves so they can attach a voice to a name. So you guys want to explain who you are a little bit? Sure. Uh, I'm Liam Campbell, lead developer at Mule Design Studio. We're a uh, little web design studio, and we make uh, websites for people that need them. And I'm Steph Manette. I'm the other developer at Mule Design. We are the entire development team. And with a combined age of 50? Uh, what's your exact number? I'm at, I'm at almost 27, so I'm 26. Oh, yeah. No, we are God, at I 50. nailed it. Yeah, you're Fucking right. Yeah, nailed 50. it. You're 50 years Speaking old. Speaking of which, this is episode 50, so this is the right way to do it. Yeah. Woo. Woo. We're over the hill. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Moderate excitement. Mm-hmm. The last lead developer at Mule turned 50 while he was there. And so now the two people at Mule Design are the same age as the one guy who used you're, to be You're approximating experience? No. He's a ninja. So just Mike traded him out for two younger models? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do, do we say ninja? Is, is that an industry thing that we're keeping? Uh, no. no, he's nope. literally a ninja. I mean, I'm not, there's no... He might still be in the office then, and you just don't know. Entirely possible. I think he has better shit to do, but, you know, he might be there. I mean, if he's a ninja. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we usually start with, what are you guys working on? Do you want to talk about that? You're just going to look at me? Yeah, I'm just going to look at you. Well, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people around town, are, are around San Francisco, are good at asking they can answer that question well because they work on products and they can say like, hey, we're working on a thing that is public or they have the, the fun answer of, I'm working on a startup and we're in stealth mode. But we're in client <laughs> services and everything takes like a year to launch. And so everything we're doing is by definition stealth mode. So anything you can see from us has been a year out. What were you working on a year ago that you can talk about now? Let's see. The stuff that came out a year ago, we did uh, Audubon.org. That's the National Audubon Society, which is a conservation uh, society, a national society that's like 150 years old or something. And they have a bunch of local chapters and stuff, and they protect birds. And it's pretty great. And they did a lot of uh, really cool work with um, really cool work with Stamen, the data visualization people, to make these great maps that uh, illustrate the changing migratory patterns of birds as uh, global warming completely fucks their shit up. Uh, we also did the seattletimes.com. That was a full redesign of the Seattle Times. Their web property was badly aging, and we... Um, so good your designer went to Seattle, just for the hell of it. Yeah, well, one of them. He was pretty good, and he is a he, he was from Seattle to begin with, so it's kind of he went back. But, excuses, uh, excuses. Well, sure. It was, yeah. clearly, it was clearly the work you guys did that drew him back. 
Yeah, well, you know, and we curse his name now for leaving us. Not really. We love Tom Carmody. He's the best. <laughs> so you two cover the full stack of development, or does Mule focus on, on one piece of the puzzle here? It kind of varies by project. Uh, some of them will do the entire CMS build as well as the front end. Uh, sometimes on larger projects, we'll pair with dev partners who are just the pros at, at WordPress or Drupal, and we'll focus on the front end and making it really good. Like, mm-hmm. w- like one Norcross? Yep, Norcross. He's awesome. Andrew Norcross, uh, who runs Reactive Labs. Is that what they're called? Studio Labs? Reactive? Like Reactive that. Studios sounds they right. They spell it badly. He was it's on developer okay. T. He was? Oh, he was? Yeah. That's great. I didn't know that. Yep. Oh, I, I love, love that guy. The homie. Yeah, so we're... we're Cross-homification. Um, we're... <laughs> We're uh, tech generalists. We focus on front end, but we've also both written um, Rails and stupid JavaScript stuff and PHP. And conference talks? Uh, You know, no. So you talked. Oh, yeah. I've been doing some different talks with General Assembly in San Francisco. Uh, I was actually an alumni of there. I did their WDI program last summer. So last week, I went back and did a talk on how developers and designers can work better together and kind of streamlining workflows. Teach me. Do we have quick Uh notes? Oh, I, yeah, I can give you notes. I'm like writing a medium. No, article. no do we have like cliff notes? Like, talk I, to us, Goose. Yeah. Give oh. us the, the highlights. Talk to us, Goose. Oh, gosh. The fuck well, on. <laughs> he doesn't get that reference. Is too young. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> fuck all of you. This podcast is over. I actually just saw Top Gun for the first time. What? But you're younger than he is, so that makes sense. By a year. <laughs> Two years. Two. Well, That's how math works. I'm almost 23. You know what? I spent a lot of time not doing anything, so I'm basically really only like 18 in terms of having dealt with the world. Hmm. And you're from the East Bay. Yeah, whatever the fuck that means. Anyway, <laughs> Steph was talking, I believe. <laughs> so it was, I can't say it Cliff all notes. on the spot. It was like a 45-minute talk that we gave. So a lot of it was about like understanding each other's workflows and actually trying to empathize because I, <laughs> I know, this right? Like, we don't I do mean, empathy here. Right. Shocking. <laughs> so we were talking a lot about actually communicating all through a project and really avoiding a waterfall process where you're like, here's this PSD, just build it because PSD doesn't really show the interactions. It doesn't talk about any of the at- intent and also trying to prevent devs from working in this vacuum where they never get to be around the users or really understand the product they're building. That was... One of the big takeaways. Dev's learning about like the basic fundamentals of design and understanding what's important, what to be looking for. And then designers trying to understand how to communicate with developers to get the interactions and intent actually built out. I can get behind that. How many designers do you work with at Mule? Uh, let's see. People whose title are designer. I think there's uh, three of them right now. Subtract like- anyone who does conference talks more than six times a year. Oh, well, then there's two. But here's the thing. <laughs> Um, Mike, the design director at Mule is like largely known for just being a, um, Mule. Well, that's one way to put it. He does a lot of talks and he writes a lot, but the thing is people don't realize and they never seem to expect that the company is small enough that he's in Photoshop and over my shoulder looking at code every day and working on projects. Um, and when I tell people that they go, what really? I thought he was just the fuck you pay me guy. Um, so there's, there's three designers who are designers by title, but one of the ways that I always pitch the development team at Mule is that we are designers and that everyone in the company in that we are contributing to his design process are designers. What we make is design. We make that with development. So we're all designers. We just use different tools. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Some are word designers, some are picture, picture designers. That makes sense. Cool. And how long have you each been there? I have been there about a year and a half now. You were there when Sarah first joined. So you were there when I 
I first got introduced to the Mule team. Yes, I remember meeting you. Correct. We talked about uh, hyphens and underscores. Oh, I have such an opinion. Oh, wait. What? <laughs> no, What's you your do. opinion? It makes me laugh because I have the exact opposite opinion. Are you, you really? Yeah, I'm a BEM guy. Oh, okay. So here's the thing. We're going to fucking get into it because here's the thing. Um, Don't hype it if you can't follow up. Are you looking at me right now? Do you see the fire <laughs> in my eyes? <laughs> so at my at my last job, I actually had this argument when I joined. There was a uh, dev team of like twenty people all producing sites, and it was it was a fast shop. We did client services, and we did it really really fast. And everyone produced just a, a shit ton of code. But um, you know, the cold culture around there had been that they uh, their CSS selectors had underscores in them. They were writing everything with underscores separating words. And one or two. Well, one, and no one had ever heard of them. Mm. Um, I was and, a camel case guy for years. Um, yeah. What did exactly. you come out of? Like, who hurt you? Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> did you just write JavaScript all the time, or like, what the hell happened? <laughs> I, I was writing whatever I could, um, and usually poorly. Just to clarify for <laughs> listeners, we're talking about CSS here. Yeah, yeah. That's hyphens, underscores, camel case in CSS. Correct. Right in, in selector names. Yes, and in it was HTML. concise. It was short. I was like, let's let's not put any excess characters in there. I have such a big issue with that philosophically. Okay, would you guys write in a preprocessor? Yeah, yeah. SAS. SAS or SCSS? SCSS. Perfect. Because SAS is not really supported anymore. My last boss was Hampton Catlin, the uh, SAS guy, the homie of homies. Is that what you call him? I mean, now. Really? Did, you, did that just As start? Of that moment. Literally just now? <laughs> That's not inaccurate. Uh, Hampton is the best guy in the world, and uh, his husband, Michael, is tied. So he did a thing for Treehouse, which is where I was learning SAS at the time. And that's what got me into it. And I was like, holy shit, this is brilliant. I also use Jade. Jade's fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh, thank God you guys approve. Okay, so wait, yeah. get back to it. You, okay, yeah. you have strong opinions on underscores. I have strong opinions on not using underscores in uh, CSS and in HTML because it is traditional. It is the code culture. And if you're going to write um, code that is portable to everyone else in the world, the de facto standard is using a hyphen. And for a lot of languages, that's kind of like, well, that's very well and good, but I can do whatever the hell I want if it's my own code. But HTML in its own built-in chunks uses hyphens. Uh, attributes that have two words to them are separated with hyphens, which says to me that that's how you do it. Are you into functional CSS? Do you use lots of classes? What is functional CSS? Utility classes. Utility. Every, everything has its own class. Oh, man. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Just I mean, super duper? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I don't know what you mean by super duper. We've we've definitely had this debate before and we've talked about it. It's like the argument between like semantic and um, syntactic CSS. Like do you write do you write the name of the element or do you write what the element does? Or do you, is. Is or it is, is it green and rounded corners yeah. and buttony? Right. Bootstrappy? Oh, so I, I can't commit to either of those then. Exactly. Exactly. Because, okay. I, <laughs> How do you guys feel about like Brent Jackson and John Gold and Adam Morse? Who are they? Murmurs. Oh, Murmurs is my favorite. JXN BLK. I, I assume that's Jackson Black. Okay. And uh, at John Gold. John Gold is that guy who works at uh, The Grid, right? Correct. Correct. It's going to be interesting one day. 
That's all I have there, to say. There was basically. a wonderful designer news thing on is is the grid vaporware, and he was in there giving so many brilliant responses. I was I was so happy. We I were, love John Gold. We were just checking out uh, pesticide, which is a uh, murmurs correct uh, murmurs joint. It's fantastic. I use that all the time. It's kind of neat. Really cool idea. It's great. Clears up your box model issues. Yep. Well, that's how I used to actually write CSS at first when I was first learning. Is I would just do like star border one pixel red. I had solid. utility classes that were like like just <laughs> debug, <laughs> and it would <laughs> red outline everything. When I was coming up, we had a term that we used. Um, we we always pronounced the uh, hex values for things, and so magenta is ff zero zero ff, and so you say foof. foof. And so if we needed to know like why something was acting weirdly, you say oh foof it. Which meant just add like a class that gave it a border or a background with foof, and, and that immediately gets called out. Like, you, there's no way around foof. Mm-hmm. You're gonna see it if you foof it. You can't unsee foof. No, you can't. Un- <laughs> you can unfoof, but you can't unsee foof. <laughs> I don't know. You're Bryn's super into functional CSS right now, right? No, incorrect. I'm the opposite. What? Nope. I try and abstract everything to my SAS. I do, Abs- I do functions like I write functions. I don't do utility classes. Functional CSS is not what its name suggests. Mm. I want to know about this. So, have you ever heard of Griddle? No. It is a grid library for SAS. Okay. And it lets you write all of your grid stuff instead of being like large, twelve, small, four, whatever in yeah. your in your classes in your HTML. <laughs> you can do add includes. Okay. Yeah. That okay. are like add include twelve six or like large twelve medium six like i love seeing every all like all of my styling in one place i don't want to deal with it later i want to be like okay i built this thing in html here's where i style everything about it i don't want to add classes at any given time that's kind of how we do it um usually usually so steph and i tend to have like different projects as we're going we'll step into each other's stuff to see what's happening but it tends to be that we we usually have that same approach we either use neat which is a um bourbon yeah bourbon neat to do grids or we just write our own yeah what were you 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 wrote your own for some project we did didn't you oh yeah i wrote this um i've been using it on everything now uh just doing flexbox columns so that when you have like the use case we had is that we had a photo background and then we had these different three blocks of text uh, with white backgrounds and then sometimes the text would be really large on one of them and like two lines on the next so by doing it with flexbox it made them all equal height no matter what was in there it would always adjust to the tallest one and then i also wrote the the ie to ie8 to to scale down on that Woof. yeah right that was cool yeah but once it's like done <laughs> i've used it on every project since and it's been super handy every time i see something cool on someone's screen i have to like then like kind of lean over and go but does it work in Internet Explorer? And sometimes when I ask that, Steph just says, yeah. And I'm like, amazing. <laughs> How far back do you guys support in your projects? Is depends. It, or is that per client? Depends on the client, right? Yeah. Kind of depends on the client. These days I'm leaning against, um, we used to do IE8. Um, that was the standard. We just always supported it. And these days I'm kind of leaning against it um, because the amount of time it takes in development doesn't support the amount of money that we make on that time. But at Correct. the same time, any of our clients where it's going to be a wider audience, like a lot of older people, I'm thinking like grandmas with their laptops that their grandchildren set up. They have iPads. They don't do laptops. Oh, uh, well, that's here. But that's I mean, like here. in the Midwest. In no, the Midwest, in the Midwest, Vista. like every grandparent I knew, they they never had a laptop. They were like iPad or bust. 
But in any case, like if it's if it's one of those type of wider audiences or educational, I really feel strongly about supporting IE8 because they probably don't have the best technology. So I don't want to like cut them off. Like it won't be as beautiful. It, it'll be usable. Yeah. And that's the gold standard. And we also want to think of, especially if we're doing like uh, journalism or nonprofits or education, um, the people looking at websites in the library on these shitty little terminals, those people are also web users and they deserve to get something. And kind of our dev motto has been that we don't build elevators, we build escalators because when an escalator breaks, you have a staircase. Yeah. All right, Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, it's the, <laughs> it's the Hedberg approach. Yeah. The Hedberg approach to design yeah. and development. <laughs> But it works. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a pretty big article on Hacker News the other day about... Um, What's Hacker News? Basically, can we do that? Basically just saying that <laughs> browsers need to stop building stuff. Do you guys see this thread, this post? Ooh, no, but it, like what? This guy was just frustrated with the pace that browsers are building things and the lack of pace at which they're being supported across other browsers. <laughs> pointing specifically to Chrome and saying like, look, Chrome's working on all these things. Individually, they're cool, but they're just breaking the web for everyone else. Like CSS filters and stuff or what? Uh, I mean, support for yeah, CSS, some JavaScript stuff, but I think probably bigger CSS, even things like um, browser-level caching stuff, like local storage. I don't believe in caching. That's, you don't <laughs> that's believe, a myth. You don't, I don't believe in I don't know how to do it, so I just assume they're making it up. Oh, man. You also don't believe in cookies and... <laughs> no, I know how to do cookies. Oh, okay. Cookies. Did, uh, cookies. Cookies. I haven't... E- I used HTML, um, the, like, cache manifest thing in, like, 2000... must have been late 2010, and I haven't used it since for anything. I just... I use a CDN, and I let them do this things. Sure. So... I don't really give a shit about new features in the browser because I'm not going to be using them for years after they're available. Uh, I I think that largely a lot of this shit is either gimmicky or it's for if you have a crazy complicated product that you need to be in the cutting edge for. And if you are on the cutting edge for your product, you have to consider whether it's really worth the tech investment you're putting into it. Because is it is it really that important? Does anyone do you really like? Does anyone really give that much of a shit? I I argue no. So a few weeks back, I was at this really great CodePen meetup, and Dudley Story was uh, demoing CSS three blend modes, and they're the exact same different blend modes that you have in Photoshop, and. It was like mind blowing. I was so excited and tweeting about it. Uh, but what I think is going to be really great is that when you're working with a designer, they'll be working in Photoshop and those same effects that they're doing right 80% there. 80% overlay now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can already do that. You can already do like opacities and things, but like clipping masks, which you couldn't do before you'd have to figure out how to do an asset or things like that. You can, you can just do like that's in CSS3. It's supported by everything modern, not edge. Yeah, not I take it back. Not, I do yeah. want that. <laughs> <laughs> really cool. Wait, you said blend modes are supported? Yeah, it has pretty, like, shockingly good support. I think when I was on Can I Use, it didn't have IE support, and it was, like, questionable if it was coming out on Edge, or is that what Microsoft's thing is? I think so. Well, this this sort of brings me to this almost existential thing that I feel like developers have. It's like, yeah. do I spend my time working on meaningful things, or do I stay on the cutting edge of all this stuff and, like, keep track of when browsers implement blend mode support and all this kind of stuff? How do you balance living in both those worlds where you have to create value, but also know everything the hell supports is going it on? except for Edge and Opera Mini? Right? Really? See, That's I was, amazing. I was shocked when I pulled Safari this up. and iOS Safari require um, browser specific prefixes. 
That's it. That's amazing. That's it. I just right? put I just put dash web in like WebKit in front of everything I do anyway. Dude, auto prefixer. <laughs> do you guys use a build system or not? We use Grunt and it compiles Node Sass. Well, what's that face? What's that face? I'm saying. You know what? This actually leads perfectly into that question that you totally ignored and talked over. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it, Nailed it. Is uh, that was my master plan all along. Oh God, you're so good at this, man. <laughs> um, no, we we have very light build tools. We use Grunt just because it's useful for compiling uh, and minifying and compressing all the shit that we do. But um, you know, we we care more about about getting websites out to people than we do about trying new things. We try the new things kind of when we can, and I. Th- you know, I kind of get the feeling that the people who are trying the new things are generally the people who have the time that comes with working in a product. Because those people have time to, uh, you know, iterate and move fast and break things. And we don't get to break shit because we have to, we have to ship. We have to ship and then get the fuck out of there. You ship and then you ship the next day if you're working on a product, but we don't get to ship the next day. We ship a thing and someone has to support it for years and years and years. Liam? What? That was some grade A beer coverage. What do you mean? I don't know what you're doing. What do you want? Do you want a high five? What's okay? <laughs> All right. Are you just happy with me that I talked while you were going to the, going to get a oh, beer? Oh, that's what it was. So he, you know was what? he was giggling at me. Well, you okay. I was giggling because oh, you were poking shit at Facebook. I thought, yeah, I was oh. giggling at the throwing shade at product teams. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't get... He's like, I don't have the luxury of working on products and moving fast and breaking. I don't. No, I thought that, I thought that was legitimate. I didn't think that was a joke. But you were giggling at me like I was missing a joke, and I assumed that was it. No, no I, I you Can know. cut all this out. This <laughs> Absolutely, the no, fuck no, not. This is fabulous. <laughs> this is grade A material. And you know what? I am a li- I'm a little bit I I'm a little bit uh, angry at startup culture because I think that they're. I think that there's a lot of startups making shit that people don't really need. And there's a lot of people making the same shit that a lot of people don't really need. And um, I would I would rather people be serving a lot of different industries rather than like four different companies serving the how do I get groceries delivered to my apartment industry. That's a great a industry. Let's let's. Oh, what are your sponsors that we should not be offending? Like, is there anyone who's going to pull? Yeah, that's uh, a really yeah. good fucking question. <laughs> It's no. going to be Dropbox and Code School or Icon Finder. Oh my god, they're the best. <laughs> <laughs> Code School is legitimately super great. Uh, Dropbox, I love. Code School taught me backbone. I learned jQuery in Code School. You did? Yeah, like in an afternoon. Oh, wow. I just didn't have something to do that day, so I went in the back of the room and learned jQuery. <laughs> so I think that we do kind of have some luxury in working in client services because we get to try a lot of new technologies. Like a project isn't living there and it's not legacy and we don't have to go with what someone before us did. Like we get to start fresh a lot and get to try out a lot of new things. And I don't want to speak on your behalf, but I think we're both really, really interested. Do it. Yeah, I'm speaking on your behalf. We're both really interested in a lot of new things where we try to try them out. Like, oh, I can do this in a way better way. I saw a way better way to do this than last time. You know, you're you're right. Yeah, there's, there's a double edge to each of these things, right? Like product, you get iterate every day, but you're living on top of all this legacy stuff. You don't get the iteration, but you start with a clean slate, essentially. Sometimes. Sometimes. A lot of, I'd say a lot of the time. A lot of the time, yeah. Because when I think back of my old experiences, um, just like changing one thing on the site broke. 13 years worth of like the e-commerce code. Uh, Yes, the cascading shit show. Oh yeah, okay. So I have a really good friend, uh, (laughs) 
He's an amazing <coughs> JavaScript engineer, and his like main focus is per- site performance. Like that's what he's obsessed with, like making sites faster. And he found that we were using like six di- different versions of jQuery, and anytime he tried to pull any of them out, something was dependent on it, and it broke the whole site. Wait, six oh. versions of jQuery? Yeah, like if you went in the head, there were six includes of jQuery of different I've, versions. I've over definitely worked on years. sites like that. See, that's the thing. That's why I, there's so many like super talented uh, developers out there working in San Francisco on these products. And I really wish that they were fixing like big sites that are already out there that are using six versions of jQuery. I just want, I, I want like the A team for like product and I want them to just go around to uncool companies and fix their Drupal installation and then leave. Like, as I long as Essel is B.A. Baracus, I'm happy with that. <laughs> but maybe this leads into your hating startup culture. Okay, so if you're at any company where you're getting VC money, your main objective is just to continue to make money to like pay them back. You owe, you have 25 million in funding. True. So you don't really give a 250 fuck. in GitHub's case. Woo. Yeah. Good. Good for them. Someone can. Someone uh, congratulated defunct and MDO. And Mark's like, yeah, so we're going to split that 50-50, right? (laughs) (laughs) But like a lot of these places, they have no motivation to come in and have someone make them a better site. Like performance just doesn't really matter. They just need to increase sales, increase like customers, new customer. See, it's interesting. Fuck you pay me, guys. Fuck perf pay me. Do you disagree? To an extent. I think. How principled are you? This is where we're going. Yeah, this just gets into how uh, how bright-eyed and, and naive you want to be about the tech world. I sure. think that you can buy this story that the VC money actually doesn't really need to be repaid immediately. And you hear that a lot of VCs don't really care. And they <laughs> take a much more backseat approach. No, this is true. You're laughing, but it's true. It was it was true in like 1999 too. And then yeah. it all of a sudden stopped being true. But the difference yeah. is that now companies are actually making money online where in the 90s you would have people that were not making money online raising and, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars and now, doing 218 million dollar a month burn rates yeah so i think i i get what you're saying yep. but yeah the, the times are different um of course at the end of the day an investment's an investment and investors expect a return that's the nature of what they do but I don't know that that necessarily like drives the daily motivation of people that work in startups like i don't think designers go to work saying what I'm going to do today is going to return for the investors. I think it comes a little bit more from like company mission or. Oh yeah, I agree. The, I think that customers. comes from the product roadmap, right. but it's like those people who are setting the roadmap are beholden to the investors. Like they're the ones with the board leaning on them. And maybe I'm just jaded from my own experiences where the board was super involved and was like, stop your entire product roadmap, make us more money. <laughs> so the, the flip side of that then would be like, why are they going to make more money from that product roadmap decision? And the answer is probably because it's providing more value to a customer, right? Let's say it's like a short-term whim. It could be, yeah. Like if your site is running six versions of jQuery, like um, this particular <laughs> company that I'm talking you, about, like I can You guys barely... just said you're working on sites with six versions of jQuery, right? No, no. I said my last company. Oh, last was job. I was like, holy shit. Oh, God, we don't no. do that shit. No, we you... don't do that. <laughs> yeah, one of us would smack the other one. Mm-hmm. Like this would never happen. <laughs> we delete code. That's our job. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I get really excited and I'll send him commit messages where I'm like, I deleted 600 lines or something. <laughs> that's that's why she's half of the dev team is because she gets excited about deleting code, which is the best possible thing you can do as a developer. So, <laughs> someone in my office today asked us, what, what does a good developer write on average? And I said negative 30,000 lines. <laughs> yes. yeah. Absolutely true. Yep. Well, I, I think this is an interesting discussion because obviously 
the two of you are sitting on different sides of the table from from Bryn and I in regards mm-hmm. to startup culture and VC money and all this. So yes. Bryn and I, of course, come from the VC world. Yeah. The, we're, we're VCs now? Yeah. We've worked for companies that are beholden to startups. Yes. Hashtag <laughs> startups. Well, I don't know. Like, what then what's interesting for you about, about the agency? Because the agency still has to make money, right? You have to come in and provide value to the clients. And if the agency doesn't make money, you die. Conversely, if we don't make money for the investors, we die. You know it's what? I, a, it's the same thing, right? I wrote an article about this, actually. Was it on Medium? Yes, it was. For Dear Design Student? Yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for pit, like totally um, advertising. Sponsored by Adobe? Yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> sponsored by Adobe. <laughs> So thank you for that. Um, Shout out to Charles. There is no such thing as an organization that makes all decisions that you agree with. But I feel a lot more comfortable working in a place where everyone that can make a decision for what I do, everyone who has agency over me or agency over someone above me is someone that I can go to directly and argue. I have a certain amount of um, power just in that I am about 10% of mule. And um, also in that I, you know, there's, there's no one around that I can't um, go up to and question their decision and yell at them and get them to reverse it. But I've definitely worked at companies where there were things that came down from on high and that rankles me more than anything. And I, I've done my fair share of like throwing open doors to people's offices and like trying to find my way up the chain of who made the latest decision that I don't agree with. And I, I just find it a lot easier to account for my actions when um, the people that have agency over me are directly accountable to me. That's me. I've been burned and I am angry. And that's why I work at Mule. I'd say I also, I came out of the startup world. I w- I'm burned. I'm angry too, in terms of that, um, where I didn't really get any decision over any of my projects and just working on the same thing for like two years just bored the crap out of me. When I was putting together my portfolio to show to Mule, I was like, oh God, I have like 18 versions of the same project as the photography switched out. I had to build it out every time. What I really liked was my first week at Mule, Mike Montero came up to me and he's someone I've been following since college, like one of my like design heroes. I went to school for graphic design originally before I switched into development. Um, and he came up to me and he's like, if you think any of my design sucks, tell me, like, just tell me, like, we all have to like hold each other accountable and just being able to be able to tell the, you know, our creative director, like, no, no, I don't mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. Just, I, I feel like I, yeah, I have agency over my own projects and I have like, you know, vision and I get to contribute to what we do in a big way. Totes. Preach. Totes. Totes. Okay. So you guys both came from startup world, it sounds like. Kind of. How how did you get into tech, development, design, whatever? Designing with words. Uh, honestly, my college always had these college fairs, and I just got picked up by a company there. What college was that? I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Wow, lots of you guys. Oh, wait, really? I just interviewed someone from Cal Poly. Oh, yes, a, a designer? Yeah. Oh, who? Uh, her name's Kat Whalen. She's awesome. I actually, uh, <laughs> she was one of my students that I reviewed her portfolio for senior portfolio review in May. So I know her. Yeah, no, she's great. She's actually taking class at General Assembly. So oh, that's awesome. That well, actually, then you went to General Assembly. Yeah, I went to General Assembly last year. What was that like? It was really great. It was, uh, you quit your job. It is a full-time job in and of itself, and you're just tired and working on projects. Well, a job that you're paying to go to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
it is a job you're paying to go to but i mean it's that many hours you can't do anything but general assembly like you can't go to your friend's birthdays like working on these projects or your full time uh, but i really like that birthdays anymore what do you mean are we post birthday no we could be though why why would you do that because you could do more because general assembly anyway <laughs> brin's generally down on the world jeez it's oh, a bummer Anyways. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I did general assembly. It was great because I, I learned really well with a hands-on approach, like actually building things. Like sometimes when I just read a book or, you know, I buy one to try to teach myself, it's just like in one, you know, in and out. Like I just can't do it unless I'm actually building. So in one eye out the other. Yeah. I was trying to like, I was like going for the ear and I was like, (laughs) wait, 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 that's not how books work. Okay. Well, that's cool. So, so overall it was worth it for you and your experience. Yeah. I think so. Generally 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 i assembled and i learned some stuff uh yeah because i came out of design school out of cal poly san luis obispo and my first job it was billed to me as being a graphic designer job but in reality it was this html and css i had taught myself on the side with like really crappy amazon books that cost like five cents and they're all table-based layouts and stuff nailed it yeah i know right (laughs) um so i was like at this first job and I would say it was like a 50-50 split of designing things and then also doing development. So then when I went to my next job at ModCloth, um, it was more of like a 90-10 split. Like I'd mostly work on development and if the design team was swamped, I'd pick up like, you know, something here and there. Um, but what it kind of left me with is I just didn't feel like I could speak to programmers about programming or really anything. I felt kind of like a hack in the field, like this person, I'm like, I can make things pretty. So that's what general assembly really gave me is like learning about databases, learning about the backend, doing Ruby and rails projects, like full apps and being able to understand the whole, like a whole build holistically. Do you think rails can scale? So I've only done like little projects. I can't speak to that. I've never had some like nasty spaghetti monster project to work on. All of mine have been like really cute little apps and blogs. Don't speak about spaghetti monster like that. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's my deity. Spaghetti. Anyway. Fettuccine monster. Fettuccine monster. (laughs) Hmm. It's the weird cousin. What's your, what's your favorite pasta shape? Each of you. Pappardelle. Pappardelle. Okay. Brian? I'll just say that I don't even know what Pappardelle is. So. Hmm. Okay. You uncultured son of a bitch. Well, I'm an, an uncultured uh, <laughs> ravioli, I guess. That's oh, a pretty that's good answer. That's actually. a shape. <laughs> Steph? Okay, I don't know how to say this. I'm going to fuck it up, but like the orchietti? The one that orchietti. Like an, or, yeah, the one that looks like an ear. What up? Orchietti. Orchietti. <laughs> you got to do the hand. I do the hand. When did an Italian grandfather <laughs> enter the room? <laughs> Hello, talk about the... Okay, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so you like put all your ground sausage and all your stuff in your food and then the like yeah. little pasta ear like nests the little mm. meat piece and it's perfect. It's- yes. It nests the little meat piece because what you want to do is piece. eat out of ear meat. <laughs> Nest the meat inside of ear your meat. ear. meat, correct. Ears. Ear meat. Delicious. Eat the ears. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. How no, did, it was great. How, how did you get into design and development? Who, me? Yeah, you. Okay, Um. so... When I was um, when I was like nine or ten, uh, my dad worked at a um, worked at an ISP called ValueNet, and uh, that sounds glorious. It, we, well, it was like very much like 1999. Like that sounds like 1999. He got yeah. He was he was deep into it. And um, did it have a disc? That's all I care about. There were so many discs. <laughs> you don't even know. There's so hundred many hours, three hundred uh, hours. <laughs> I think the deal was different. I know that my dad was really proud of that and they were doing very well for a while. Um, so he worked at an ISP. And so of course he was very into, you know, the whole computers and web thing. And um, so I think that I asked him at one point to help me make a uh, Pokemon fan site. 
Okay, I can super get behind this. Right, and so he opened up he opened up front page, Microsoft front page, I believe 97, which was like a kind of like a Microsoft Office uh, Dreamweaver clone. Mm. It was really bad. That sounds so fun to use. I, rem- I remember front page, and that yeah. was, yeah, so, so many was, issues. The the best thing I think he ever did was that he showed me all, like, the WYSIWYG features for, like, dragging shit into place, and then he clicked over to the tab with all the source code, and he says, but this is really what you probably want to do, is this, because this is really what that is doing, and you can just do this yourself. And so he walked away, and um, I pretty much didn't get up for, like, the next 10 years, <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, and I kind of just made uh, websites after websites just kind of for myself, and I did weird little projects for people and, like, w- dumb art projects. And I got into graphic design that way, and I started reading those books, and I got into programming that way, and I really wanted to be a game designer for a while, and that didn't really pan didn't out. Didn't we all? Didn't pan out yet. But when I graduated high school, I'd spent all my time in high school, like, after I got home from failing high school, I would, like make websites and i would play in bands and i was in the uh, theater department and i was doing like community theater and improv and so i never had a job and so by the time i graduated at like 18 i needed real bad to get a job but i didn't have like any experience whatsoever so i put a post on craigslist that said hey i know how to do html and css and i know all this stuff so if you need that like i can do that you know but i just don't know how to flip a burger or bag groceries and uh, someone called me back and I got that job, and then that job got me a different job, and then that job got me a different job, and then um, that just happened a few more times. Now I'm here. And then you came to San Francisco when you were 19? Yeah, I must have been 19 or so. So uh, concurrently with getting my first tech sort of job doing QA for a uh, mobile ads company in mm-hmm. Walnut Creek, very weird. Um, and this was pre-smartphone, so it was like... What uh, does ad QA look like? It doesn't look good. The very first day I went in, I actually was working on a promotional landing page for Ludacris's new album. Oh, dope. Yes, please. <laughs> I... That was my first day. Which which album, though? Like, I what era was this? I, fuck if I remember. Whatever came it's out in like 2009. QA. So, better. What, the, the best part of that first day, and this is my favorite anecdote about how awful this place was that I worked for, I went in there and... Uh, they sat me down to do QA and I was going to work there from three until seven. Cause that was when I could get off college and I could work till seven and the rest of them would go home at six and they would just leave me in this office in Walnut Creek, like QAing mobile websites for like an hour after they left. And so everyone leaves except for my boss, the QA manager. And he comes over to my desk and we have like all these glass, like Ikea desks. And I'm kind of like working on my crappy little like windows machine. I look up and he's like, all right, good first day you know like great to have you on board and i'll see you tomorrow and as he says that he pulls a packet of sweet and low out of his coat pocket and he rips it open dumps the contents onto my desk cuts it into a line and does a line of sweet and low and then just looks at me in the eyes and walks out the door i don't know what to say <laughs> isn't that amazing i'm actually speechless what just happened <laughs> that job was messed up a line of sweet and low yeah is this different than your other story of people snorting things off your desk? No, that was actually the last day at that job. Someone <laughs> snorted a different thing off of my desk. Ah. But it was already on your desk from the right. night before. And they- so the way that I got out of that job, I'm going to tell this story now. The way that, Perfect. The, the way that that job ended a year and a half later uh, was that we got bought. We had been making this, uh, basically, we'd been making like a CDN that also did um, like media conversions on the fly. So... 
you could give it an image, you can give it a uh, a movie, you could give it a um, an audio file, and it would do all the conversions. And based on user agent sniffing, figure out based on your user agent which format of file you could accept, and then send that to you. And it would do that all on the fly, which is really neat if you needed to support like a giant amount of crazy mobile devices. And so someone finally bought that technology, which was great because all our clients were kind of like drying up. And so the day we got bought, the day we were like, the deal was closed, we're going to like take all our stuff and move it to San Francisco because like the the dream had arrived. I came into the office and I was the only one there at like 9.30. Like I would think I was like 10 minutes late, but there was no one in there. And so I walked to my desk and we still have those same Ikea glass desks. And I keep noticing like everything's in like slight disarray. Like everything's like a little bit weird, like all the chairs are turned in weird directions. And there's like beer bottles. And that's kind of weird. And so I get to my desk and I kind of sit down and I'm like, my desk is dusty, like really dusty. And then I find there's a rolled up dollar bill behind my keyboard. And I'm like, Uh, what does uh, this mean? Like, how come (laughs) all of these disparate elements have have aligned themselves on this day? How strange it is that all these uh, totally separate things have happened. And as I pick up the dollar bill and try to figure out, like I'm puzzling in my brain, uh, the designer comes in. We had one designer and he comes in behind us in his sunglasses and he plucks the dollar bill from my fingers and he takes out his credit card, cuts all the dust on my desk into a line, <laughs> does that line, and then sits down at his desk. And that was the last day at that job. Clearly sweet and low. <laughs> no, uh-huh. I don't think so. <laughs> Can we just pretend it was sweet and low? Sure. Okay. And that's when you grew up and entered so the real world. Uh-oh. you <laughs> began in the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wolf of <laughs> Walnut Creek. <laughs> brilliant brilliant steph has anyone ever done cocaine at a place where you worked that you knew of not not that i knew of mm. no oh god i worked at like the most programmer shop though my first job we used <laughs> to play um drunken elevator because we had the geek desks and we get super wasted in the office and we would just like go up and down while we laid on our desks oh my god <laughs> wait what how does that work at all? Because, you know, they're kind of, they're like standing desks, but you have the little motor so they can go down. So we would just like lay on our desks and reach our hands over to the like toggles for up and down. And it was just like. Who thought that was fun? <laughs> I mean, after enough beers, anything's fun. That sounds kind of fun. <laughs> Rules for life right there. I would there. do that right now and I'm sober. Sure. Uh, actually, now that you say programmer shop. <laughs> yeah. This is a hard question to ask because we live in a world where you have to be politically correct, right? But you are. Oh boy, this a, is, what is such a good question. Not gonna go well. You're not drinking. <laughs> you're you're a woman, and you program. Yeah. And you live in San Francisco, surrounded by lots of non-female programmers. And I'm curious to hear like your perspective going through GA, working in San Francisco. I was, I think that first gig was. That was terrible. That was such a shit show. Like my first day, they would have like hot lunch is what we called it on Wednesday when we had catered lunch. And I was at a table with my team and I was the only woman on this team. And um, we got up, everyone's getting up and someone says, hey, we have a woman on the team now. We don't have to do our own dishes. And they left all their shit on the table and they went back to their desks. So what I did was like, oh, fuck these dudes. And I like went and took care of my dish, cleaned it in the sink, put it in the dishwasher, whatever, and just left it, hoping that they would like realize that they were being dickheads and go do it. But instead, our office manager went and did that. So I guess another woman went to go clean up after them. So that was kind of terrible. So I actually wanted to get out of tech. I was like thinking about my options. Like, do I go back to school? Like try to get a different career? Um, but then I went over to ModCloth and it was just like the most amazing, supportive 
environment that I could have been in. And I was totally blunt in my interviews. Like, I'm leaving this place because I'm being harassed all the time. It's miserable. I'm like unhappy every day. And they're like, this is not the place. Like, this is really, really like pro-female. It's very supportive. So that was a good transition. And I think that's really what kept me in tech. I've had like other bad experiences. Um, Someone called me a cunt. And then I made him cry. And then I got in trouble for making him cry because I was too mean. (laughs) I was like um yeah see that scares me it's like it's such a close call that you could have gotten out of tech you could have like left all of this because of that first experience and i think the other thing is like now i wouldn't stand for that like i know better but at the time i was like fresh out of college and i didn't want to get fired i was like barely making rent i was asking my parents for money to like keep my apartment and things like that so you're just like so scared about speaking up and you don't know what is really fucked up you're like oh i don't want to seem like i'm not fun i don't want to seem like i don't have a sense of humor but yeah, so I was just like young and stupid. In your time here, have you seen that getting better across the spectrum of people you've worked with? Or do you feel like that's still an issue that you're talking with other people about and hearing about? I mean, Liam's clearly the worst, but oh, he's yeah, awful, I can yeah. I can tell Liam's a real don't. troublemaker here. <laughs> um, I think it's just now really something I pay attention to when I when I go to job interviews. Like I've withdrawn myself from different interview processes because it's felt made me uncomfortable. I didn't feel like it was a culture fit or I've kind of got that programmer vibe. Like there was a company that was trying really hard to poach me. Like they kept emailing me, but on their website, they were talking about their company culture in terms of playing beer pong and getting like company chubbies made. And I didn't know what chubbies were. Yeah, I I don't know know what that is. It's on these like bro shorts. I don't know. They're like pastel shorts that people wear. Like, wait, what? Why? (laughs) What? They're like men's only shorts. (laughs) I've never heard of this. They're like salmon and teal and light yellow. Like for the chubby term is getting really gross. Yeah, but that's no, that's the name of the brand is Chubbies, like C H U B B I E S. And I just like saw that on their website, and I was like, well, so either there are no women who work there, or the women who work there are trying to get the fuck out because they're not speaking up to say like this makes us look like crap, this makes us look horrible, so they're not happy. So I think it's just something that I take into account now. So I guess I can't really speak because I've had really positive experiences since then. But that's good because this is obviously a huge talking point in the tech world right now. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Are you following along with that? Do you care? Or? No, I I do follow it along. It it makes me really really sad that it's still an issue and like there's so many of the same stories coming up every time. It makes me fear that change doesn't happen unless it gets big. You know. Yeah. Well, thanks for answering. Honestly, it's a hard thing to talk about because obviously we don't share the same perspective. You know and there's always this pressure to be politically correct because God forbid you say the wrong we thing. We share the perspective that it's a shitty thing. It's a shitty thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's an easy perspective to take. I, I think so. What else are you guys excited about right now in terms of design, development, the world of technology? Or everything else? What are you stoked on? It's a big question. That is a big question. Correct. Hmm. Maximum questionity. I'm excited to make more stuff. I'm excited to make more stuff, and um, I don't know what it's going to be yet, and I'm excited to see what the new worlds I've never explored I get to explore in my next project. I'm excited to um, learn something that I didn't even expect to learn the next time I work on a project. Do you guys do lots of side projects? Not so much. No? No. You know, no. I kind of find that... After you guys do real all- life in your... I do real life, yeah, because after spending all day at a computer, just like I have this craving to just do something physical. So I'll like crochet or I'll go for long walks. Crochet, or, maximum yeah. physicality. <laughs> like, no, really just, work up a sweat. Yeah, just like... <laughs> or I've been, working like, those to- separate muscle groups like the fingertips. Exactly. 
<laughs> building type and strength. Or I've been like trying to teach myself to play ukulele and I've been like doing wine tasting and things like I'm doing life. lots of fingers. Yeah. Wine tasting. <laughs> There's a lot of fingers. <laughs> Use my strengths. Cool. I'm really excited to just keep meeting people like at Mule. We've had such a chance to work with all these really, really talented, smart, interesting, kind people in all different fields that I would never otherwise encounter. So I'm just excited to see who's like next and who I get to know and work with in the future. Intern Andy with his terrifying stories. Oh, he's so funny. He's the best. He's the best. Are you guys paying attention to companies like The Grid, which are essentially trying to remove our jobs? Or They're trying to terminate job. us by teaching Skynet how to code. Yeah, I'm not worried. Right. So, it, wait, can you back me up? Uh, what's What's the grid doing? They're trying to use algorithms to do design work. To, to create. They're trying sense. to make it hard to make bad decisions. Good for them. Um, good for them. You're aware of what the grid is. Yeah, I've heard of them. I am number one. I'm not worried about anyone replacing design because the day when a when machine learning can replace the totality of design. Not just aesthetics, but um, understanding how content works, understanding how people look at things, understanding the emotion involved with um, how humans interact with computers. On on that day, I'm not going to be working anyway. Correct. So I don't really care, and I, I'm not I'm not so attached to this craft that if it turns out that a computer could do it better than me, that I would still want to do it. I don't have a there, there's no, you know, John Mulligan and his steam shovel here. If mm. it can happen better than I can do it, then sure. Because I'm sure there's a lot of things that we could be doing. John like, Mulligan and his steam shovel? It's a children's book. You know the story? Wait, wait wasn't there a different John and a, a hammer? You're thinking of John, John Henry. Correct. Or John Jacob? Jingleheimer Schmidt? <laughs> Nailed it. Mine too. John Jacob and the Jingleheimer Schmidt, Yes. <laughs> Oh, I love that band. They were like a new wave that, outfit. That Jingleheimer shit. What just happened? I don't know. Oh, no, it's getting weird. <laughs> it's getting weird. Uh, but I think that's a good, if it's not a good weird. perspective to take. It's weird because I can't imagine a computer ever knowing how to do all of the things that you just listed off, like understanding human emotion yeah. and responses to content and things like that. But at the same time, I feel like 20 years ago, probably most people would say they wouldn't believe things we're doing with technology now there's an equation to everything yeah like it ha- it it's probably gonna happen <laughs> sometimes it's a chaotic equation but yeah. we have ways to model chaos yeah <laughs> oh boy that's what? such a peek into your psyche you just gave me why i don't know because that that tells me that you believe that the world is logical no really I mean, if it's if it can be described by a, by an equation, if it's mathematical, then it has to be logical. I mean, everything is yes or no to some degree. It doesn't have yeah. to have true logic behind it. Whereas, like everything is um, a decision based on reason. I don't know. I'm a little more woo woo than that. Woo woo. Woo woo. Also, I think it's funny that um, if something's going to replace all design decisions, there's a lot of design decisions that go into that. So there's yeah. going to be some mistakes along the way, right? So designers will be <laughs> sounds, involved. Designers like will be, be involved. Imperfect. It won't work. I, th- I think we're all just fancy computers. So I think that whatever. too. Neat computers. Every neuron has an on and off state, and it's just combinations of on and off states. I'll endorse you for that. You will? Meet computer on LinkedIn? Yeah. We like to endorse each other for weird things on LinkedIn. Um, that makes you, more sense than you most LinkedIn. You have a couple good ones. Uh, esteemed thought leader? I think so, yeah. 
endorse me why, why don't you have like hashtag thought leader like the word hashtag, hashtag. hashtag. or hash brown, brown. <laughs> <laughs> yes i'll add it later <laughs> i think i'm goth as hell my, yeah, is one are. of my skills <laughs> <laughs> and you're also a special boy i am a special boy <laughs> my uh my linkedin i'm probably just gonna delete my linkedin <laughs> my headline is uh not like my title or anything it just says here comes a special boy <laughs> My dad keeps endorsing me for content design. I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, my dad endorsed me for HTML5. Oh. That was really nice. I just am mad. I think my number one skill is Photoshop, and everyone <laughs> endorses it for me. It's like it's like breathing. Like, <laughs> wow. I'm sure. Hey, Charles. <laughs> What's up, bro? <laughs> How you doing? No, I think that was a compliment, right? Like, I think it, so. It's so critical and important. No, sure i think that's where i went right i'm pretty sure i think that's specifically where you went <laughs> when do you when do you switch off between using photoshop and just actually building something with html and css uh, so I, i'll have photoshop open to like pick colors to measure things and just kind of have it as like my side by sides all of it you know on the right and then i'll actually the screen that i'm building on on the left and then my code on my computer monitor so what's your setup Liam? your two up cinema display yeah, well, I don't have a cinema to say. I have a really big display and then um, my MacBook Pro next to it. So I'll write code and have it kind of closer to me and then I'll have my screens for viewing what I'm doing. So you're not actually doing any of like the high fidelity stuff in Photoshop. You're just you're not drawing thinking, thinking in Photoshop. You're no, not really. So we'll do like the, the first pass at the visual design system in Photoshop. And then a lot of times the like further iterations happen like we do it live. Got it. Cool. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Yeah, exactly. I know. was thinking, like, maybe I shouldn't say that. Like, would that dis- disrupt the flow of conversation? But then you did, so that's I got that's you. Okay. I'm yeah. good at disrupting the flow of conversation. Sure are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all kind of are. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I Photoshop is a thing that I use as a communication tool with other people. If if they are giving me something that is visual, then Photoshop is a good thing to have. Or if, you know, I just need to cut something out, like... um put someone's face on top of someone else's face, then uh, that's another good thing that Photoshop is useful for in my face day-to-day mashup. life. Face yeah. swapping, yeah. But um, mostly everything's in code. Cool. How do you feel about rubber ducks? Oh, I love rubber ducks. I have a dinosaur to be different. I have a, I have a buddy uh, named Ben, and we have an ongoing uh, rubber duck understanding. Ben? Baird. Ben Baird. He's party fists on Twitter. He's an excellent engineer, and he's a really weird guy. And uh, we have an on, we've worked together many, many times, and we have an ongoing understanding that if either of us comes up to the other, or even just uh, over uh, the phone or over text or over Slack, one of us says, rubber duck, then the other person says, okay, and then you then use them as rubber duck. To explain the concept of the rubber duck. This oh, sure. all over my head. No, okay. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's, um, there's a concept in programming called rubber duck uh, debugging or rubber duck programming. The idea being that uh, things that you can't figure out in your head are sometimes easier to figure out verbally. And so one way to get past a problem is to explain your problem to a rubber duck. Uh, the classic example is that you have a rubber duck taped to the top of your monitor and you tell that rubber duck, you say, rubber duck, I'm having the following problem. And usually when you get about 80% done describing your problem, you figure out what was wrong because you finally verbalized it. Cool. And if you choose a rubber duck that can talk back, then, you know, if you get all the way through... They can help. That defeats the point. What are you talking about? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Anyway, we are actually out of time. Wow. Uh, you guys want to plug anything before you go? Um, I guess follow me on Twitter. I'm at Liam Danger. I write sometimes. You can look at that. On Medium, right? On me- Yeah, on Medium. Specifically? 
Okay, sure. I write for a publication called Dear Design Student. We answer questions that design students uh, send into us. I tend to handle, you know, work life balance stuff and uh, intersection of design and tech. Tomorrow I'm publishing something, fingers crossed, on uh, CSS and why I think it's still good. So by tomorrow you mean seven, six days ago? Sure. Perfect. Timey wimey. Cool. Yes. Well, you mean tomorrow? Excellent. I'll buy you some more time. Thank you. <laughs> I like the Doctor Who reference, though. Thanks. And then on Twitter, I'm at Steph Monat. S O underscore Steph underscore Monat. Underscore Steph. Underscore Steph. You're dead to me. If it has an underscore in it, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I just registered. And an Monat is M O N E T T E. Cool. Money, money. Money, money. All right. Thanks for coming on, you guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Thanks, guys. That was episode 50. It's not often we get to talk to two people on a team. They work together every single day, and somehow they still get along. I don't get it. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, hit us up on Twitter. We are at Design Details FM. Also, we have a Slack team now. So if you're interested in chatting with us live, uh, asking questions, talking about design, development, products, anything you want, uh, DM Bryn or I on Twitter, or you can DM Design Details FM. We'll get you an invite, and we'd love to chat. Before we go, we have two sponsors we'd love to thank. First, Icon Finder. Icon Finder is the largest source of premium vector icons on the web. They have almost 600,000 icons that you can use in all of your design projects. Uh, they come in all file types. They're gonna work in all of your programs wherever you're designing. Uh, over 10,000 icon sets as well. So all of your icons can be cohesive across your projects. It's an amazing service and you can sign up for Icon Finder Pro for just a few bucks a month but use the promo code ROBOT and that'll tell them that we sent you and get you 50% off your first month. So go to iconfinder.com and support Icon Finder. Our second sponsor is once again Dropbox, the best way to keep all your files synced across all your devices, never lose a single thing, keep it all backed up with ver- version history, which I mean, has saved me so much time remaking sketch files. It saved me a bunch of time uh, on audio recordings that I've screwed up. It's fantastic service. I can't recommend it enough. They're doing awesome things with the community. Check them out at dropbox.com. Thanks once again to Dropbox. We'll see you on Wednesday with Marshall Bach and Sam Sophus, two of the newest hosts on spec. Woo! Woo. <laughs>